Hey everybody, this is Sam and you're listening to the Deep End Podcast, the show that provides you with juicy relationship, intimacy and personal development tips. A podcast for deep thinkers and feelers who love personal growth and want to experience healthy relationships. Today I have one of my favourite humans in the world joining me for yet another episode. Um, This person is not only a dear friend of mine, but is and has been an incredible mentor to me in the last 18 months. And yeah, I'm in absolute awe. And this person's name is Damien Bola. So welcome, Damien. Thank you for joining. Thanks for having me again, Sam. So Damien's business, Evolutionary Relating, is such an incredible platform for people to come and learn relationship tools and tips in connecting with authenticity and presence and deep self-awareness. And what I love most about Damien's programs and tools is this essence of um, attunement within ourselves and with the other, with the person that we're relating with. And it's not exclusive to intimate romantic relationships. This is a platform, a, a um, yeah, a space where you can learn tools on how to relate with anybody in your life more authentically. So. Yeah, thank you for being you and for joining me again on on the deep end. So I think we should just start where I like to start everybody, and that is in the deep end. Mm-hmm. Now you have a beautiful experience coming up called Centered, and I just literally read one of your posts this morning about about what led you down this path. So. For those listening, I'd love to. I'd love to start there. What's your story? Why did you? What's centered about? Um. So, like you said, I'm I'm fascinated by relationship and not just romantic relationship, just all relationship. You know, and I think that part of the fundamental experience of being is to be in relationship with other. There is an other, there is self and there is other and relationship is, or relating is the thing that happens between us. Um, And then there's all kinds of relating and all kinds of relationships. And there's all kinds of things that make relationships and relating really feel good. And then there are all kinds of challenges that get in the way of relationships thriving um, and feeling good and kind of giving us the experience and the love and the passion and the excitement and the curiosity and the wonder and the awe and the beauty that we know inherently is possible in relationship. You know, I think anyone who kind of leans in or has a desire for deep partnership, for example. So right now I'm, I'm focused more on romantic relationship than general relating, but that's only because I tend to, you know, it's, it just works better to focus on one broad area at a time. And at some point that will shift, you know, I'm working on a curriculum for, for that, but, but it's but the tools that I offer a, a, a generic to all kinds of relationship, they underpin relationship. And so centered is really about, um, it, it's, it's a, a free offering that I'm bringing to support people in being more centered, being more regulated, being more themselves. So one of the unfortunate things that happens in relationship is that we can get impacted when we're very young and those impacts create like a 
create what we call trauma, you know, and trauma isn't necessarily a big capital T sexual abuse, violence, you know, it's, it's not necessarily that trauma can be as small as little misattunements. It's can be like little bullying. It can be experiences of rejection or ridicule or embarrassment that cause us to experience unsafety inside of us. And then when we, we deal with that unsafety through a whole mechanism of different kind of adaptations and strategies to deal with that. And they, and they tend to erupt in us in adult life as what we call triggers. You know, you get triggered by a work colleague, you get triggered by a friend, you get triggered by a family member, you get triggered by, especially in your romantic relationships, you know, romantic, the, the, the more intimacy there is with someone, the more time you spend with someone, the closer the proximity, the more likely that crunchy things are going to come up and they're going to activate certain experiences of not feeling safe. And why centered is because those experiences of being triggered take us immediately out of our center. We go into preoccupation with them in more anxious style responses. We might go into fight. We might go into dissociation. We go into numbing. Somehow we lose our ability to remain in our center and our center is where we've yet to be us, where we feel who we are. So that's kind of the, the premise behind this kind of like free five-day offering of just, just some simple tools to help us stay in our center. But really this is a, this is a practice. You know, this is a long-term practice to cultivate the embodied ability to remain in our center no matter what and that when we're in our center and we're regulated then we have access to kind of our joy and our passion and our play and our fun and our banter and our flirt and our swagger and our confidence and our charisma all of that comes out of a regulated state when you're dysregulated all of that starts going out the window um yeah so you asked me my story. I wanted to give a little bit of a preamble, but I'll, I'll, I'll share my, one of my personal stories. So what led me really down the path of wanting to understand, you know, like I've been triggered, I've been in relationships, my, you know, since I was in my early 20s. And I'd got, I used to get triggered in my early relationships. I didn't know what that was. You just, I just kind of get you go out of it you something happens an upset happens and you just go completely blank and you you're yelling at each other or you like shut down or it's and it's just kind of like part and parcel of relationship it's just something that you do and then and then I grow up and become an you know you become an adult and I think at some point there's like I, I don't like that I don't want to like live my relationships like that that hurts it sucks um but the real pivotal moment for me was was where I I was like I need to handle this like I cannot live like this anymore was, was in a relationship that I would call a trauma bond. It was in a very strong push pull relationship where I was kind of thrust into some of my deepest abandonment wounds. And, and the woman that I was dating was kind of like, I really like you, but I don't want to be with you, but don't leave me and stay with me. But I don't, I don't want to be in a long-term relationship with you, but don't, you know, but don't go away. You don't want to be, I don't want you to be with anyone else. And it was just like, it just started messing because I was totally infatuated with her. I was like addicted. It was like a crack for me. She was like crack. She was like, in some ways, like my perfect type. She was really hot. The sex was off, you know, off the charts, but it was like, you know, it's like, dr like drug addict sex. I wasn't on drugs, but I felt like it was just, you know, a total addict. Um, That's a really key point. Cause I, I, I see this 
within myself in past relationships, but I also see this in people around me and clients and whatnot as well. And so, you know, it's really like, what did you do? How did you get out of that? How did you recognize the addiction and cut yourself off from your supply? So that that was a hard process and journey and lesson. As if anything, it was like a trial by fire. So I went further and further down the rabbit hole. Like I was so infatuated. By the end of it, I I had no connection to myself. I I, I would die. I would look back and say I was in PTSD. You know, in a form of PTSD. And what PTSD is, is is it literally means that our stress response doesn't turn off. So what happens when we get stressed, when we get triggered, our body goes into a fight, flight, freeze response. It, it dumps a bunch of stress hormones, adrenaline, cortisol, you know, and they circulate through our body. They elevate everything. They kind of shut down our prefrontal cortex and we feel overwhelmed and we're like mobilized to deal with it. And then the threat disappears and we feel safe again. And then we return to baseline. PTSD is you don't return to baseline. You stay in that elevated state. And you, you can't come back. You stay in a fight, flight, freeze response and you can't come out of it. And so I ended up in that. I couldn't come out of it. I was stuck in, in a kind of freeze response. And freeze is, I'm going to, you know, go into the deep end a little bit more. Freeze is, freeze is out of the three, freeze is quite challenging because um, physiologically, when we go into freeze, and I think depression is actually trapped freeze in the body too. When we go into freeze, Essentially, what it is in our body is it's like the tiger has its jaws around your neck and you're going limp. You're going, I'm about to die. So you go limp and your body is just preparing for death when you're in freeze. So when you go into a stress freeze response, what happens is suicidal ideation starts emerging, you know, and a lot of people that, you know, you, something stressful happens and suddenly you can't, you start thinking about, I want to end my life. It's freeze response. It's because the, the, the stressed part of the brain has said, I am going to die, so I'm just going to prepare for death. And so our more primitive parts of our brain are saying we're about to die. Our frontal cortex is hijacked, means it's now the servant of the stress response. And it goes, oh, we're about to die, so we might as well just preoccupy with it and think about nothing else. And the limbic system in the middle, the emotional system is like, I'm scared of dying. So we're in this tension of like, I'm about to die, I'm preoccupied with death and I'm scared of dying, which is essentially horror. You know, a horror movie is, you watch a horror movie because the protagonist is in a constant tension of will they, won't they die? You know, that's yeah. what makes it scary. But when you're in stuck in that response internally, you're in a state of horror. So I was experiencing a state of horror, you know, for, for, for about nine months, I lived inside wow. horror, inside of my own body being. It was horrible. Like, I, I can't describe how much suffering I was in. And, 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 and I thought it was the end. Like, I actually thought I, I didn't think I would be able to come out of it. I thought I might not come out of this. This might be the rest of my life. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I can come out of this. It was, seemed endless. It wasn't just I wake up and I'm in a good mood. It was like just relentless, you know. Yeah. Sleep was the only respite I had. Um, and even then, sometimes people don't really can can experience not having quality sleep. Yeah, nightmares and so forth. I, so, for some reason, I I had nice sleep, and the, and my favorite time was like that ten minutes between waking, like 
when you're coming out of sleep and actually being awake, I was like, okay. And then I'd wake up and I'd be like, oh God, I'm in a nightmare again. It's like, I'd wake up into a nightmare every, every day. And it was just, it was just torturous, you know, absolutely torturous. Um, and what happened was because of that, the push pull dynamic of the relationship, the level of stress on my nervous system and my inability to find enough respite to regulate myself because I was in a constant state of fearing abandonment led me to basically the, the level of overwhelm like caused the, like I was no longer able to turn off the stress response. So I was stuck in it. So there's a physiological reason. It can feel the internal experience is just nightmarish, but physiologically it's just we're stuck in a stress response. That's literally it. Um, and so yeah, we wow. have to. We have to turn it off. You know, we have to turn it off and um, ideally learn to never turn it on, you know, learn to regulate ourselves. Like our stress response is, is literally just for when we're actually in danger. But because we're, we've been wounded as children and we have these attachment disturbances, we get into a romantic relationship, we project that onto our partner and then we go into stress responses with them and we end up triggered all the time. You know, it's like, we have to be really mindful of that. Like we're resilient, but sometimes we're not that resilient, you know, like there are cracking at points for us. Um, and it's interesting. I've had, I wrote this post, you know, I wrote this post about this and I, and in the post, I like the premise of the post was like, I used, I thought I had BPD, but borderline personality disorder and borderline personality disorder is essentially an inability for someone to regulate themselves. And at that point I could no longer regulate myself. So I was displaying the symptoms of borderline and I thought that was me. I thought that's it. I'm doomed. I went, had therapy, you know, I was seeing a therapist one to two times a week. Um, I started, it was very hard. I started developing my own practice and it's really hard because you're in that state and you don't see any results immediately like it's like nothing changes immediately you know it's not like i do a meditation and i feel better but i started doing something consistently i started paying attention to what was happening in my body i started trying to make space um and eventually i made choices to leave the city <laughs> the funny thing is i was studying postgraduate studies in psychotherapy at the same time as going through this experience. So I'm like, I'm like in the internal experience of this heightened attachment, basically just extreme attachment trauma being reenacted through my body. And I'm studying it at the same time. So I'm like immersed in this world of like under like theoretical understanding of what was happening to me. I'm getting like, I'm getting high distinctions at university and I can barely function. I can barely feed myself or shower. Like I could barely, you know, having a shower was like the most exhausting thing I could do. Brushing my teeth. Like I used to eat just muesli, like sometimes just granola out of the box just to eat something like once a day. Cause I just couldn't, I couldn't cook. I couldn't do anything. My, when you're in this stress state, my vision had narrowed to almost nothing. I could see like, I had no peripheral vision and I could only see like a small area around me. And this was like, a lot of micro moments of self-abandon that led to this point. So it's not yeah. like you were in a relationship with somebody and then you were all of a sudden feeling this way. Yeah. Yeah. It was a journey well, so, to get there. Yeah. I mean, basically, <laughs> basically the thing was, you know, that this woman that I was seeing who, you know, I, I got rapidly infatuated with, she'd made it clear. She made it clear at one point 
you know, actually earlier on in the relationship, she couldn't, she'd kind of made it apparent that she wasn't really looking for it, but we kind of got really close. And then at one point she made it clear to me, like, I don't, I don't see a long-term relationship with you, but I'd love to keep seeing you. And I was like, I really wanted a long-term relationship with her. Maybe, and this is the first, this is the key point. I was like, maybe I can like try and disentangle that desire from my heart so I can continue to sleep with her. You know, this is Red literally flag. what I did. In, yeah. <laughs> like self-red flag, you know? do that again. Yeah. Never. Like the moment, <laughs> like if I'm like, I want to be in a relationship with someone and they're like, I don't want to be in a relationship with you. I'm like, okay, thanks for the time. Lovely time that we shared. I'm out. And I'm going to go and just like have a little bit of a heartache right then and move on, you know? had to learn that the hard way. That is the pivotal moment. If someone says they don't want to be in a relationship with you, it's like they don't want to be in a relationship. Nothing you can do can change their mind. And if you do change their mind, it's just going to end up a mess. You know, they're not going to feel good. They're going to feel like they got badgered into it. It's like a, it's like a deep fulfilling relationship can only come out of two people who have desire to be together. Yeah. If someone doesn't have that desire, it's, there's no chance, you know, you are going, if you have insecure attachment, you are going to destroy yourself and you could only ever say yes to such a situation with insecure attachment. A secure person would never say yes to that. Like, yeah. oh, I'm not having a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be in a relationship with me. Mm, you know? yeah. a, a catchphrase I developed out of that was like, I only want someone who wants me. You know, I'm like, I'm not interested in someone who's not interested in me. Why would I waste my time? Didn't know that at the time. You know, it was like, oh my God, this person's a goddess. She's the, you know, she's the most incredible woman I could ever imagine. Project all my fantasies and ideals onto her that she didn't want any, any of. She didn't want my projections, but I did it and I harmed myself as a result. Wow, that's such a, that is a very um, really important point, especially like, so there's a few things here that I'm hearing, you know, there's a self-abandonment where you didn't listen to that little voice and it's so subtle as well at the time. You're not really tuned into it because you're so swept away in the fantasy and focusing mm -hmm. on that projection and what it could possibly be because, you know, I, I think speaking from, I guess, experience of being in that similar position of like, wow, I just, you hold on to these little moments, these little micro moments when they, they kind of like look at you a particular way or say something that sounds promising or, mm -hmm. you know, do something that seems like love or, you know, they're just like giving you little signs which aren't actually signs, they're just being themselves and potentially feeling truth in that moment to be mm -hmm. present or intimate. But the fantasy or the part of us that loves to fantasize runs with that, runs with that, and then it's at our own expense. Absolutely. Yeah, so like that's a huge major red flag. Anybody listening, if this is something you've experienced or you're currently going through, check in with yourself. Um, you can lie to all your friends. You can lie to the people around you on the outside looking in, but you can't lie to yourself. And your friends will tell you and you'll be like, no, 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 no. You know, my friends around me were like, Damien, what are you doing, man? Stop. And I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. It's I got this. I got this. It's all under control. No, it's not under control. <laughs> you know and yeah. and the thing is that the thing is it's like anyone who ends up you know and i've spoken to a lot of people who've been in really kind of similar kinds of relationships relationships that go really toxic and they're just not okay and i asked them you know i often ask them it's like did like what was your first impression of them what was your first desire and 
pretty much across the board, people know I wasn't really into them. Wow. Oh, my God. You know, we know. We know at the beginning. And somehow we talk ourselves into an idea that, that, that could be more. We go, I mean, same with this woman. I knew the first date was awkward and I didn't feel, you know, like it didn't feel right, you know, but she was so hot. You know, and I was like, yeah, but you know, and I just talked myself into it. You know, we knew, we know, we know. We do know. Or it's like the other way around where there's like that part of us that, yeah, we're not really into it, but we grip onto or grasp onto this like possibility of connection and love mm-hmm. out of fear of being alone or lonely. Mm-hmm. And there's that fantasy as well. It's like, oh, this person's chasing me in some subtle way. Like they have that desire, the sexual desire in mm-hmm. your situation. I don't know if she did that, but I've had that experience of like being pursued and that flattering me and then me convincing myself, okay, cool. Yeah, this is something that I want when really yeah. I have to learn that hard lesson as well. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely hard. And so, you know, and so that, that journey, that experience, and it, it like, truthfully, it almost killed me. Like, I was not sure that I would make it out of life. Like, and I don't say that as like a kind of a figure of speech. Like, I mean, that literally, I did not think that I was going to make it out of that experience alive. And I did, and I managed to, and, you know, I, I went through therapy, I developed a solid practice, I moved I got, I, I started to, I slowly clambered back to myself. I, I was living in the city and I'm not a city person. I left the city and I went to a farm. I was like, I was, I was working a job. I was studying two master's degrees, working a job while severely suicidal and thinking I was like, you know, I was so skinny. I was hardly eating. I had no social life. Like I was gone. And and, and one day I was just like, I'm out. I can't do this. And I quit. I quit my job. I quit my master's degrees. I bought a van and I just went like, I'm out of here. And I drove, I, I found a farm that I could go and volunteer on. Again, I've done a bunch of permaculture farming in the past. And I went, I was just like, I need to go back to the, gar- the ground, the earth. And I did. And very quickly I started coming back. It was that choice for me. Like I started choosing me again. I started choosing me again and I came back to center. I started coming back to my center and I was like, oh, I'm starting to be in touch with me. And from that experience, I started going, I need to get my life back in order. This is, this is the wildness of the story. I need to get my life back in order. I have all of these gifts inside. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm a synthesis and I'm a very articulate teacher and I'm a really good facilitator. And I just was like, I want to start doing that again. And I need some money to buy some stuff to help put my body back together. Cause I was not in good shape. And I decided to put it out there. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm wanting to run a course, an online course. And people loved it. And people were like, yeah, I'm in. And I sold out a course and I'm suddenly a business birth and my entire life transformed, you know, as a result of that. Wow. So it was like, it was like a really pivotal moment, but I came out of that with a very deep understanding of like, what causes that kind of experience and what we need to not have it. So we don't, I don't believe we all have to go through that kind of trial of fire. Some of us do, but not everyone does. Like we can learn the things that we need without that level of suffering, or sometimes we have to suffer and then we learn the tools, you know? And so there are, there are a whole bunch of things that we need so that we don't do that to ourselves so that we don't, you know, like, 
I, lately I've been focused on intimacy and intimate relationships, partnerships, even though my greater vision is more about building community. That's actually what I'm, I'm interested in. I'm interested in evolutionary community, community that changes the nature of the way we live on the planet, like starts to move into new economic structures and ways of living and being together. That's actually what I'm most passionate about. Yet I realize that the, the relationship, the primary relationship that is the nucleus of a family and a family is that is what creates a community. It's many families together creates community. And so it's like that relationship is pivotal. If we can't have good quality relationships, we don't stand a chance of creating community. We can't do it. And the dysfunction, the level of dysfunction in, in romantic relationships in our world right now is like off the charts. Like I know very few people who are having high quality, successful relationships, you know, for, for real. And anyone yeah. listening, look around you, like how many people do you know who are actually in loving, really loving, thriving partnerships? There are some and they stand out. Most people are struggling, you know, they're yeah. either single or they're getting triggered all the time or they're, you know, on the verge of breakup. And we're not taught the skills to have these kinds of relationships. And so that's what I've dived at. Like I have a propensity towards diving down rabbit holes and wanting to understand, like, I'm really obsessed with the idea of first principles and first principles are like the underlying bedrock that applies to everyone. It's like, if I can understand the first principles of attachment, doesn't matter whether you're gay, straight, trans, you know, heterosexual, polyamorous, it doesn't matter. The first principles of how we, how our nervous system works and how we attach to others is the same. Yeah. It comes down to regulating our nervous system and having boundaries. They're kind of like the main key pieces. That's what I really love about the work that you do and offer is the intricate details that you go into. Like you're, you're zooming into the nuances of relationships. It's not a, um, I'm not going to compare it to anything. It's just so unique. You know, I can't actually compare it to anything because I haven't come across anything quite like it. Um, but yeah, you've, you've, you've created a very, um, yeah, like, I guess the vision I'm seeing is a crochet kind of blanket, you know, it's just like a web, like a spider's web. And you're looking at all the finer details of what connects us together. And you've got all your different programs that are within this web. Incented sounds like such an incredible experience because without being in our center, we're not really available to understand and see our partners or connect in an authentic way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so for me, it's like, it's like if we can understand first principles, we're understanding the building blocks. We're understanding yeah. the base blocks of relationship. And if we can get them and we understand what they are, how they work and how they connect together, then you can build and construct any type of relationship you want out of those blocks. Then there's nothing prescriptive about it. That's what I love. I'm not interested in dogma or prescription or like, this is how you should do it. I'm like, here are the tools, here are the building blocks. And when you understand them, you build your own relationship, you build your own form of relating. It doesn't, and, and it's unique to you. You, you, yeah. you don't have to follow what I do. I'm not interested in like, having people do the same kind of relationship that I do. I'm, I'm a largely monogamous, you know, heterosexual male. Like that's what I'm into. I mean, granted, there are a lot of people who fit into that category too, 
but that doesn't mean that everyone else has to do that, you know, and, and yeah. I prefer relating with just one person, you know, that's my yeah. personal preference, but not everyone has that, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And that's what I think I really resonate with with your work is that availability for possibility. Yeah. You know, and that uh, unique and sovereignty. And I feel like that's the most empowering approach to have really when it comes to relationships. This dogmatic approach is quite limiting. And within that limitation, it's like, you know, you compare yourself to these rules and regulations of like, oh, this is what a successful driving relationship actually means. I need to do this. This is the polarity or I need to have mm-hmm. be my masculine or my feminine. And like, this is this rigidity, this limitation of like, oh, I can't say this, but I can say that. It's like it's a nightmare. so diluted of our true authentic essence and expression that it creates a very distorted and dysfunctional relationship pattern. And that pattern gets passed down onto regi- like generations to come, which then creates more distortion, which is what I think that we have unconsciously inherited from the generations before us that, you know, mm-hmm. their dogmatic ways of being from, I don't know, back in the early 1900s to the mid 1900s of, you know, the male being the breadwinner or whatever. And now we're evolving as feminism has, you know, shifted the way that, we show up in the world there's now come you know the polarity world's coming into play and so I find it frustrating I like sitting there and I'm like ah oh, noticing that these aren't even my thoughts and I'm like trying to fit within this mold and and it's very this is like what's really important and this is one thing that I think is really key to this and for anybody listening like be super mindful about where you source your information from when it comes to relationship tips and tools because it's easy to get swept away in the fantasy and the romanticism that's out there and there are a lot of people out there that do romanticize relationships that don't hold the foundational integrity and I think that makes sense and I think that yeah returning to first principles like what you do Damien obviously I'm such a fucking fan but let's (laughs) think Returning to the first principles empowers people to, yeah, repeating what you said, really create an authentic, unique relationship dynamic that is, it's completely new, never been done before, because it is coming from nowhere else but from within. I mean, the the beautiful thing is it's like you're a unique individual. So am I. So is everyone else. Every single person is a unique individual. And the more we... The more we do our self-work and our self-development and, you know, learn about who we are, the more unique we actually become, the more differentiated we become from everyone else. And I think that's that's a really important and beautiful thing. We want to be differentiated. We want to be express our uniqueness. We're all here, you know, you can just do it spiritually. You can talk about we're all here with our own special gifts and so forth. And I believe that's true. I don't believe it in the kind of woo-woo sense of it, but we are all utterly unique which also means that every relationship is utterly unique. It means that every combination of two people or more coming together is a unique constellation. And we wanna find a relationship and a way of relating that feels really good for us. It's like I, the, the nature of the dynamic that I have with my partner is unique. No one else is gonna have the same dynamic that we have. And I wouldn't have the same dynamic with anyone else that isn't her either, right? And so, you're right, you know, about like pointing to like where are our sources because you can have you can have a lot of people out there who this is what 
a conscious relationship is. This is what a divine relationship is. This is what a polarized relationship is. It's this, the man does this and says this, and the woman does this and says this. And also this is what a secure relationship is. If you have secure attachment, you do and say this, and they do and say this. And I'm like, "Mm, yes, but no, also, you know, it's like, there are there are elements of that so even polarity you know so polarity is the relationship between the masculine and the feminine i'm interested in the first principles of that the first principles of that are not it becomes polarity becomes a tool to create erotic energy between two people it's just so that we can have hot sex you know and feel good and then there's a certain flow of energy between us and it's it's essential and unique to us you know it's not necessarily prescribed of like because I'm a man and I'm masculine, it means I have to lead and direct in these ways all the time. It's like, that's boring to me, honestly. Yeah. 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 Yes. I love this. Um, and people, yeah. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> noticing these things come up for me where I'm like, oh, I've got two programs that are orientated, but it's like, it's the tools. It's the tools. It's the tools. It's the tools. Understanding each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't it, like, yeah. There are first principles. There are first principles of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman too. It's like, you know, yeah. men are in male bodies and we, we, we function in certain ways and our brain is structured in a certain way and our anatomy is structured in a certain way and same for a female body. And then there are first principles of what that means. Yeah. But, it's not necess- but people aren't necessarily looking at that. They're looking at the structure on top of that based through their own lens. This is what I've found it's like to be a man. And I've defined being masculine man as this. That means that's what I'm going to tell everyone else as a masculine man. And I'm like, mm, yeah. it doesn't necessarily apply to me. My, I experience my masculinity different. I see the, the, the first principles of it. I understand that there are aspects of masculinity that are ubiquitous, but the way they're, they're experienced and the way they're expressed is unique, you know? individual yeah. yeah yeah and that's a really important piece to this um well it's I guess the whole theme of it and so the other thing and I think this is like the final piece to this is that you know there is first principles of all these incredible um, um yeah experiences and relationships but what makes us unique, what I'm hearing is that, you know, you've had your experience, so you've got your trauma that is unique to you. And that that showed up in that relationship based on the conditions that you had growing up or whatever those conditions were. And so our traumas will show up differently. And I think what I really loved is what you shared about any different combination of people, you're going to have different things show up. So the I guess well one thing that I kind of acknowledged and realized in this work is that the problems don't go away is that we stop hurting each other within those problems when we do this kind of work and we start to learn that we can work together in in resolving these problems through greater understanding of what the these nuances are and returning back to the center of ourselves and that relationship. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. And and so when we're when we're like when we're developing, so part of what I think leads to having a successful relationship is, you know, and I think there are multiple elements. You know, I kind of I've been developing a framework of 
these different elements that go into relationship. You know, there's attachment, there's polarity, there's relating, which is communication, and then there's transpersonal. This is if we want an evolutionary relationship. If you don't want to evolve, if you don't want to have a spiritual element to your relationship, you don't need to worry about the transpersonal. Um, but the transpersonal is is essentially when we become bigger than our personality. We, we kind of go, we, we operate in a space beyond our personality. And for anyone who's ever taken certain psychedelic medicines or whatever, that, that's a transpersonal experience. Or if you've been to a Vipassana or had a retreat, it's like, it's like a, it's an experience of, of, of seeing, like you see yourself bigger than yourself, you know, it's yeah. like this bigger and, and the, the small yeah. self of you, the personality that we're identified with all the time doesn't matter so much. So the transpersonal, you know, you've been getting into the gene keys lately. Like mm-hmm. it's like the transpersonal starts to show up in the late parts of the gift in the city and yeah. working with the gene keys can be a way of evoking the transpersonal. For example, it's not the only way, but it's one way. So anyway, that's an aside. So this is, this, this is part of the framework and attachment is part of this framework because we can't actually have long-term thriving relationships until our nervous system starts to develop inner security, which is, you know, that experience of being centered. And if we don't have that security, if we don't feel secure in ourselves and in our relationship, we're going to be constantly oscillating into dysregulated states. We're going to be getting triggered all the time. And I don't know about you, but when I'm triggered, my efficiency at the rest of my life diminishes rapidly. I can't work, you know, I can't take care of myself. I don't do my mm-hmm. exercise properly. Like my relationship gets a bit messy. Life becomes a mess, you know, mm-hmm. and, one of the things I like to think about is it's like, you know, if you like, if you think about how much you value yourself per hour, you know, I'm, I'd probably charge, you know, charge around 150 to 200 dollars an hour. You know, is probably my valuation of work right now. It's increasing. If I get triggered for four hours, that costs me like 400 dollars. You know, it's like mm. there's there's a literal cost to this, and it may erode part of the relationship if we don't know how to repair properly. You know, it. I lose that chunk of time, you know, and often four hours is on the lower end of how long a trip, if it's a big trigger, it might be two days, right? Two days gone, you know, in a, in a fight or a conflict. And if we're not secure in our nervous system, that just continues to repeat. So we actually have to develop security and we can. And what happens is the reason why we keep getting in these triggered conflicts is because our nervous system is, is hypervigilant to abandonment largely. That's what a, a mm. attachment trauma is essentially where we're on the edge of fearing abandonment all the time, both anxious and avoidant attachers do the same anxious attachers deal with it by getting really hysterical. And they're like, ah, avoidant attachers do it by blaming, accusing, numbing, shutting down, running away, avoiding. Right. Yeah. And so you have this planet, both are dysregulated. The avoidant likes to think that they're not dysregulated. They really pretend that they are. They're dissociated most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm fine, but actually like I'm floating two foot above my head, you know? And it's, it's so subtle. It's so easy to get like. It's all your fault. I'm good over here. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And (laughs) so um, when we start meeting each other, first we start developing secure attachment internally which is what centered is really about and the the program that it's going to you know the, the the sale at the end of the program is towards a, a deeper practice called regulate i'm actually doing an upgraded version of it which is about developing an internal self-secure system so i can be securely attached with myself 
that's a great start. Now, if, and it's almost, it's a prerequisite for now starting to do that in a relationship. It's like, you can't really do that. In, if you don't have a sense of sec- internal self-security, you'll choose poor relationships. You'll just go after relationships that will just trigger your abandonment wounding because there's no, there's no real sense of self-worth in a way. There's no like understanding of like, this is actually what my body needs. And so you can't actually do the deeper relationship work until you started at, started at least that process by self. Then we can start to meet a relationship and we meet a relationship with, and we're always going to, whoever we draw in is a match for where we are. It just is. A hundred percent. I agree So if I'm in a relationship that's toxic, I was a match for that relationship. It's demonstrating my own toxicity. It's not their fault. They are not, if, if I'm dating a narcissist as horrific as it is, it's because I'm a match to that. Yeah. Yeah. My trauma is matching that. Otherwise I'd just be like, no, I'm not interested in that. No, thank you. And that's a really, it's really hard to acknowledge that when you're in that, in it, because, you know, every sense and every part of your being doesn't want to take that responsibility because it's like, you know, whatever insecure attachment you're in, there's that, like with avoidant, it's that, you know, for me, it's that offloading the blame and the responsibility and being like, I'm fine, you know, like it's all good. (laughs) Or like, you know, the insecure is like that hysteria you were saying is like, you know, you make me feel this way. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's in it and this is resonating and it's hard to kind of like come to terms with the fact that you are an, an energetic match to what you're currently experiencing, it's a hard pill to swallow, but it's also the most That's, empowering. It's a hard pill to swallow, but then you know where you are and you go, okay, if I do some self-work, I will change the nature of what I'm a match for. And this is what happens, right? You start doing some self-work, you develop your own internal secure system, which is generates self-love. It's like, it's really interesting. It's like, I teach this program regulate, which is about nervous system regulation. And it's all about like learning to like gently dissolve trauma from the body and tension in the body and kind of start to cultivate enough differentiation between emotions and thoughts. You know, they, they get entangled mm. and mess you right up and it's like creating space inside. But actually what happens when we do that is self-love. We don't have to do anything. If we regulate our nervous system, self-love spontaneously emerges. That is our natural state when we're regulated. We are self-loving and loving and generous and flirty and our best selves when we're regulated. So we start developing this internal self-secure. We start getting some good boundaries. And then we're a no naturally, easily, effortlessly a no to things that are going to fuck us up. We're a no to those kinds of relationships. And what starts happening is different qualities, different people suddenly meet us, suddenly become interesting to us. Suddenly we're not motivated by fantasy anymore. We're motivated by kind of a realism of, of what actual love is, you know, and love is deeper than the physical structure of someone. It's deeper than the way they look. It's deeper than the, the way they make they feel. It's like, are they a match for how we want to live our life? And then we can do the deeper work of meeting up, meeting each other. And then, and then the next layer, the deeper layer, the layer that's only going to come out when you touch really deep intimacy with another person comes up and you go, okay, fuck, I've got to work through that with this person. But when you do, and you meet that, that security starts to stabilize on the inside. And the more it stabilizes, the more we recognize that I can never be abandoned. 
you know, and that's a really empowered place to be in. And then you can actually have relationships that no longer drain all your time, all your effort. And then relationships become a crucible, become, become a vehicle for enacting greater change. You know, I think that empowered relationships have the capacity to transform this planet, but we have to do a lot of fucking work to get to the point to having those relationships, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, look, I don't want to sound how it's going to sound, but it's not for the faint hearted. And it's, and, and that's not to exclude people who, you know, it takes courage, you know, it just takes courage and it takes a lot of will and it takes a lot of commitment to the process. And it, you know, we have to feel to heal, but like what's on the other side of the shit show that we have to go through in my experience is so much like, you know, I envision harmony in relationships, I guess this is part of my life's work. I envision Mm -hmm. harmony in relationships and harmony from within and creating and restoring that balance and co-creating pleasure and play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pleasure is a birthright. Exactly. And it's, and you know, and it's, and it's possible and it's available yet. The realism around it is that it we've been wounded and we have to kind of like do the work to unwound ourselves. And also we have to grow up, you know, like these kind of states are are only available to like higher orders of our development, which means that we have to mature ourselves and maturing is like hard work as an adult. You know, you kind of have to, you have to learn new things and new models and like expand your mind and your heart into new, new places but it, you can, anyone can do it. Anyone can learn to play a musical instrument, but only some people decide to go through the sucking part to get there. You know, anyone mm. can learn to have an incredible relationship, but only the people who go, I'm going to suck at first and it's going to hurt, but I'm determined they'll get there. They'll have that relationship. It, everyone can, you know, yeah. doesn't matter who you are and doesn't matter how damaged you are. You can, have that kind of relationship but but the reality is it's not going to come to you handed on a silver platter it's not going to be some fantasy who comes and saves us from ourselves nobody is coming to save us from ourselves except us yeah and thanks we are disney. the one yeah thanks <laughs> yeah. disney you know thanks like thanks you know all like hollywood just everything <laughs> hollywood every freaking pop song out there it's all just fantasy nonsense right it's all just nonsense none of it has any bearing on what real passion looks and feels like like real passion is not the lust and infatuation that most people think it is that's addiction you know yeah that's using relationship as crack you know and it hurts in the end if if your relationship ends and you you can't function anymore it's because you're addicted you know, yeah. you weren't in healthy relationship. We grieve, you know, we would grieve the end of a relationship, but a relationship that is built on a healthy and stable base would only end because we would realize that we're not actually in alignment with where we want to go together. And we would untangle from that and grieve the process. We wouldn't be like, ah, oh, God, I can't handle this just because we keep fucking each other up all the time. You know, that's not, that's not a relationship. You know, as harsh as I might sign right now, I'm only doing it because it's like, we need to figure this out quick. You know, we can't, we don't have time to fuck around anymore as a species, I think. I agree. And it's, I don't think you sound harsh at all. I'm just having like so many aha moments. Every single time we have conversations, it's always (laughs) like this. I'm just like, oh, 
fucker out. This is okay. Yeah, I remember that. I remember being like that. No, yeah. So I don't. I totally. Yeah, the addiction piece is like big one. It's such a big one. And you know, you, how do you tell an addict, "Hey, yo, you got a problem?" They're just like, you "Yeah, can't. Nah, I, yeah, I don't." No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just fine, a little yeah. bit, you know. And I went through addiction, like actual addiction. Like I've obviously yeah. had love and sex addiction, but I've gone yeah, through, yeah. you know, addiction to, you know, very light drugs in my life. And it's like, it's that story. It's like, oh, I can, I'll just give this up tomorrow or it'll be fine. You know, and when it's a relationship, it's just right there all the time. And you're like, I, I remember being in this relationship with this woman. I'm just like, I'm just going to see her one more time. Just like, this is things I would say just one more time. We're just gonna. I'm yeah. just gonna hang out with her one more time. It was always one more time. It's always one more time. You know. I'm just gonna that's, get. That's how an addict talks. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's when. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a, it's a whole thing, and I think that's a whole other conversation in itself, really. Yeah. So, how do people find? Well, I'm going to include in the show notes. Centered. It is happening on. Twenty eighth. Yeah, the twenty eighth. Yeah, November. Cool. So, so a week from now. A I mean, I that from now now that we're recording this, I don't know when people will be hearing it, but um, but if you are hearing this in the distant future, beyond twenty twenty two, we're in twenty twenty two, aren't we? Then yes. it's quite likely this centered will be um available in some other form. It may be a low cost offer, you know, under twenty dollars or something like that, or maybe free. I don't know how it's going to be, but it will be available in the future. And it's going to be available live from the 28th of November, 2022. <laughs> and if anything else has resonated in this podcast episode, there are so many other ways to connect with Damien other than Centered. And, you know, if you're resonating with Regulate, if you're resonating with Boundaries, there's so many other offerings. Damien has incredible programs that have, yeah, I guess formed the foundations of, for me and how I show up as a coach, um, and also just how I show up in my relationships in life. So you've got like the fundamentals of authentic relating, boundary, regulate, centered, which is this five-day experience that we're going through. And then then there's more to come next year. My first kind of certificate programs are going to come next year and programs on secure attachment and more polarity work is is coming out soon as well. So I've got Find a few. Yeah, and and you and I are working on something in the background too that we're going to release in twenty three as well. So that'll be fun. Oh my god, yes, this is a good bit. That's that in itself. Yes, it's going to be a really good one for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I think that this is one of the things that you and I share is this. Uh, um, I guess it's not so much a commitment, but it's just a vision of of. Uh, bringing people into greater awareness of how to create a healthy relationship. And that's our mission and vision. I mean, like similar, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. same sort of essence. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So thank Thanks you so, so much, much for joining me. Thanks, Sam. Always learning something new with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. If this resonated with you guys, check out the links in the show notes and I will catch you on the next podcast. Thanks for joining me.